Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. The Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 1 and verses 11 through to 24. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age and among my people, and I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace and was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. Well, we're continuing our series through the book of Galatians entitled Freedom in Jesus, and we're looking at Galatians chapter 1 and verses 11 to 24. But before we dive into the passage, we need to understand something of the background and the context. Uh, We need to know why is Paul writing this letter to the churches in Galatia? Now, hopefully you will remember that it was on Paul's first mission journey that he planted a number of churches in the southern part of the Roman province Galatia, uh, which is is found in in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey to you and me. And after he, he left the church in Galatia, There were these Jewish believers, missionaries, or or we could call them troublemakers, who who came to the churches in Galatia, and they kind of said to everyone there, well, you know, Paul, he's a good fellow, but he's got some strange ideas. And besides, he's not even a proper apostle. I mean, he wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He didn't see Jesus face to face. And he's not even based in Jerusalem where all the proper apostles are. So Paul doesn't have proper authorization. And and so where did he get his gospel from? The, The good news, his version of the good news about Jesus. Where did he get it from? Well, he just made it up. Or at best, he got it secondhand from the apostles in Jerusalem. But he's got a bit muddled and he's twisted it a little bit. So you can't trust it because it's just a second-hand version that's a bit muddled or, at worst, he just made it up. It's just his opinion. And so Paul, in this section of the letter, is writing 
to the Galatians because all the people in Galatians thought this argument from the troublemakers was quite convincing. So he's writing to them to overcome these false accusations that he doesn't have proper authorization and that he just made up his gospel or, or at best it's just a second-hand version that he's got a bit muddled. And so he writes in verses 11 through to 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. In other words, I didn't make this up. I just didn't invent it. Verse 12, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. And so he's saying the way he got his gospel from was straight from Jesus. That, that it was revealed to him. It has a divine origin, and he got it straight from God himself. Now, to back up this claim, he shares about a bit about his testimony, about his conversion. And we read in verses 13 to 16, and he shares how he was extremely zealous, an extremely zealous Jew, even to the point that he was persecuting the church. But then, all of a sudden, God revealed his son. God revealed Jesus to him. God revealed the good news about Jesus. That's the gospel to him. And, and, and all of a sudden, he started not only following Jesus, but actually preaching Jesus. And so only God could change a person so radically. Only God could do that. And therefore, his gospel must have come uh, from God. But then he goes on, and he, and he plays this kind of strange gambit. Uh, he basically agrees with his opponents, the troublemakers. If we look at, at, um, at verse uh, 16 and 17, he says, my, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. So basically he agrees with the opponents uh, that, that he's completely independent from the apostles in Jerusalem and that no one even taught the gospel to him. And he goes on later to say that he's only been to Jerusalem once in 14 years, and that was just for 15 days, and, and it was, uh, wasn't for the purpose of being taught. He wasn't going there to receive teaching. He just went there to get to know them. It was to establish a friendship. And so, of course, the troublemakers take this as clear evidence that he just made up his gospel. Nobody taught it to him, so he must have just made it up. But then Paul plays his checkmate move, and we read in verse 23. He says that they, now he's talking about the apostles in Jerusalem, they only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith, the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. So they praise God because of Paul. That means they recognize that God had called Paul and that their message and Paul's message was exactly the same. They were in agreement. So, if Paul did not receive his gospel from anyone, no one talked it to him, but yet his gospel is in complete agreement with the apostles in Jerusalem, then where did he get his gospel from? There can be only one origin of where he got his gospel from, and that's from God. He got his gospel from God. And so, if Paul didn't just make up the gospel, 
if it's not just his opinion, but he actually received it from God, that means his gospel is true. It has to be. If it's from God, it has to be true. Absolutely true. That means it has absolute authority. You, you can't go to Paul and say, oh, Paul, well, well, that's just your perspective. That's just your opinion. No, if it's from God, it has to be true, absolutely true, and have absolute authority. You see, all religion and all philosophy is essentially about people speculating about God. It's people's opinions about God. But the gospel is the complete opposite. It's not people looking up into the sky and speculating about God, but it's about God coming down to us and revealing himself to us. See, our faith is not based on someone's opinion, not based on Paul's opinion or anyone else's opinion. Our faith is based on divine revelation. And therefore it's true. It's absolutely true. Now what is the truth? What is that absolute truth? What is that? What is the gospel? Well, as the Reformation slogan states, we looked at this last time, Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone. In other words, Jesus died for our sins so we could be forgiven. Jesus paid the price in full. Therefore, there is nothing, absolutely nothing we need to do nor can do to earn God's love and acceptance and forgiveness. Because Jesus has already done it all. He's paid the price in full. Christ alone. And this gift of salvation is offered free of charge. It's a free gift. Grace alone. And the way we receive this free gift is simply by putting our faith, our trust in Jesus. Faith alone. So the good news is this. God loves you. He died for you. There is nothing you need to do. You just need to receive it. Just need to accept it through faith in Jesus. So the gospel is true. It's it's absolute truth. But it's more than just objective truth. It's certainly not less than objective truth, but it's more than objective truth. What do I mean by that? It's not just about understanding the truth. You need to experience the truth. It's not just about understanding the gospel objectively in your head. You need to experience the gospel subjectively in your heart. You see, there's a power to the gospel. If someone says, well, you know, I understand the gospel. I I know the gospel, but but there just isn't any change in my life. I I, I guess I, I just need to apply the gospel to my life. Then you don't know the gospel. 
Because the gospel is not just about objectively and intellectually understanding it in your head and then trying to work out how you apply it. No, you need to know the gospel subjectively. You need to experience it in your heart. There's a power to the gospel. So if you say, uh, you know, I, I know uh, Jesus forgives me. I, I know uh, Jesus died for me, but, but I, still, I still struggle with guilt. I, I still feel insecure. I still feel unworthy then you don't know the gospel. You don't know the gospel because Paul shows us that when the gospel takes hold of you, it so utterly changes you that people, other people start praising God because of you. And so the question is, has that happened for you? Have you experienced the gospel? Now, of course, Paul's uh, a conversion it is completely unique. It's unusual. But even so, within there, there are many features that are true for anyone who has experienced the gospel. So firstly, the gospel takes hold of you. The gospel takes hold of you. Paul, when he just talks about his conversion, we read in verses 13 to 15, he says, For you've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God and I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. But when God, Suddenly, abruptly, but when God. Do you notice all the eyes in that? I persecuted, I tried to destroy, I was advancing, I was extremely zealous, and then all of a sudden, very abruptly, but when God. You, you kind of expect Paul to say, well, I was doing this, and then I was doing that, and then I thought, I'm going to try and search and seek after God, and then I found God, and so I decided to follow God, and now I'm following God. He doesn't say that. Suddenly, all, after all those eyes, instead of more eyes, he says, but when God. Suddenly, God becomes the subject and he becomes the object. What does that mean? It, it means when you've had an experience with the gospel, you suddenly realize that it wasn't so much you tasting, touching, and trying to find God as it was about God finding you. You became the object. You see, there's a power uh, to the gospel, and you suddenly sense there's a power dealing with you. As, as William Holland said, we said this, looked at this in the first one of the series, William Holland, when, he, when, he had, when the gospel took hold of him, he said, at the words, what, have we then nothing to do? No, nothing, but only accept him. That's the gospel and when he came to realize that, he said, there came such a power over me as I cannot well describe. My great burden fell off in an instant. My heart was so filled with peace and love that I burst into tears. Has that happened to you? See, when, when I, I put my faith in Jesus, of course, I was seeking for God, after God. I was trying to find God. I was making a lot of decisions and choices but I suddenly came to a realization it wasn't so much that I decided upon him, but he decided upon me. 
I suddenly sensed that, that there, was a, there was a power dealing with me. It was the, as if the Holy Spirit was witnessing with me, deep, giving me a deep conviction that this was true. This was something I needed to do. And so as a result of that, I put my faith in Jesus and I followed Jesus. And of course, theologians have debated for centuries, is it, is it us? Do we choose to follow Jesus or, or, or does Jesus choose to follow us? Uh, choose us? And of course, the answer is both. We, we both 100% choose to follow Jesus. And as 100%, Jesus chooses, to, chooses us. And how that works is a mystery. But when you've experienced God, you sense that there was a, a deeper power coming down and touching you. The Holy Spirit is convicting you. As a... Even as uh, uh, John Wesley says, I felt my heart strangely warmed. Have you had that experience? Secondly, the gospel changes you. The gospel changes you. Paul says in verse 20, 23 and 24, they only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praise God because of me. When the gospel takes hold of you, it changes you, it transforms you, you become a new creation, you become a whole new person. Okay, Paul's an extreme example. He was actually persecuting the church. He was actually persecuting followers of Jesus. He was going from house to house to find followers of Jesus, men and women, and he was dragging them off to prison so they could be executed. In fact, he, he was on the road to Damascus to go find some more Christians, some more followers of Jesus, so he could put them into prison. And that's when the gospel took hold of him. And suddenly, he, he dramatically and radically changed. He changed complete directions. He was persecuting followers of Jesus. All of a sudden, he became a follower of Jesus. He started preaching about Jesus. He started calling other people to become followers of Jesus. I mean, it was an amazing change. But that's what happens when the gospel takes hold of you. And Paul said, other people praise God because of me. Are other people praising God because of you? Is there something in your life that has so remarkably changed that people who've known you for a long time praise God and they say, wow, they're a, they're a completely changed person? Now, of course, it doesn't have to be as extreme as Paul. Paul was an extreme case. But there are many people here today who are praise God for because. I've seen how the gospel has taken hold of your life and how grace has come into your life and how you've radically changed. And I praise God for you. One of the signs that the, the gospel has taken hold of your life and grace has come into your life is that you become less critical. You become less judgmental of other people. You become more loving, more accepting more forgiving of other people, even people who disagree with you, even people who are different to you, you have a greater humility and respect for other people, even those who disagree with you. 
I can remember when I was still a youth pastor in South Africa, we used to have some crazy experiences. I mean, nothing like here. Uh, I can remember uh, one day I got a telephone call from the police. Uh, and they said that um, they said that they had just arrested this this fifteen-year-old uh, teenager girl. She she was uh, caught up in the occult. Uh, she was involved in various pagan ritual sex acts and and drugs and, and and the like. And they thought that she was possessed by demons. So. They wanted to know if I would come down to the police station and pray for her. So I was like, okay, right. <laughs> uh, and so I went down to the police. I had absolutely no idea what I was going to do when I got there. Um, I had no experience in this, and I definitely had no idea how you cast out demons. Uh, and this was before Google, so I couldn't even Google it. Uh, so I arrived there. And they led me to this room where she was. She looked like she was about 21. And she was very intimidating. She obviously didn't want to speak to me. Very cold. I started just chatting to her. I introduced myself. I said I was a youth pastor. She told me her name was Chantel. We chatted for a little while. And I said, can I pray for you? She said, yes. And so I prayed for her. But nothing happened. And so I left. It was about two days later that Chantel and her mother arrived on the doorstep of the church and they want to speak to me. It's quite obvious that Chantel doesn't want to be there, that her mother's dragged her there. And her mother pleads with me to help, help her daughter. And I'm thinking like, well, I really don't have experience in this area. And, and I've already tried and it didn't go very well. And if she doesn't want any help, there's really nothing I can do. But she was very persistent, so eventually I agreed to talk to her daughter and we, we chatted for a couple of hours. She was very cold, but by the end, she agreed to come to our youth group that Friday night. Possibly just to get me to stop talking to her, but she, she, just, she agreed to come. And when she arrived, she was dressed all in black. She had dark makeup on. She looked incredibly intimidating. I remember going to a couple of the girls in the youth group and saying, okay, go welcome the new girl. They were like, no way. <laughs> so I thought, what do I do? I go to the boys. I go to the big 17-year-old, 18-year-old boys. And I said, hey, guys, go welcome the new girl. They said, no way. We're not going anywhere near that woman. <laughs> I'm like, she's 15. And they were like, no way. <laughs> we had a, a time of worship. Uh, people were singing songs to Jesus, worshipping Jesus. She was sitting right at the back, totally disinterested. While we were worshipping, I noticed she started crying. Tears were rolling down her cheek. So myself and another leader, we went to her, we took her out into a side room. And she was just overwhelmed with this, this, this sense of a warmth, a presence, the love of God. And we shared the, the, the gospel with her that God loved her, that God died for her, that there was nothing, absolutely nothing she needed to do to, to earn that love. She just needed to receive it and accept it through faith in Jesus. 
And it was right there and then that she, she confessed all the things she had done wrong in her life and she asked God to forgive her and she asked the Holy Spirit to come into her life. And she was radically changed and transformed. She became a whole new creation, became a new person. You literally could not recognize her the next week she came to the youth group. She no longer looked like this 21-year-old lady who was intimidating and scary. She looked like a sweet 15-year-old girl. She had this wonderful smile and she was just radiant. She was a completely new creation. All the guys were like, hey, who's the new girl? I said, she's the same girl from last week. They were like, no way. She was a complete new creation. The gospel is from God. Therefore, it's true. It's, it's absolutely true, but it's way more than objective truth. There's a power to the gospel. It takes hold of you, and it transforms you, and it changes you, and you become a complete new creation, a whole new person. And the question is, has this happened to you? Have you experienced the gospel? Has the gospel come into your life and radically changed you and transformed you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we can't get our heads around how much you love us. That, that, that we don't have to do anything. We don't have to be this good person, this sort of person, this religious person, this, this successful person. You, you just love us because you love us because you love us. And all we have to do is receive that love. There's nothing, no nothing we need to do except receive it from you through faith. Father, we thank you that it's not just the truth an absolute truth, but it's a power that comes into our life and transforms us. And Father, we pray that we will be able to experience your love, your presence, your power in our life afresh. We pray that you would come into our life, that your gospel, would, the good news of your love would just grab us and transform us, that we can say our heart was strangely warmed. Maybe just spend a few moments now in silence and just allow God by His Holy Spirit to minister to you. Receive that love afresh and that assurance that He loves you, He accepts you, and He wants to live with you and have a relationship with you because He's got wonderful plans and purposes for your life. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.